Hi, everyone. I'm Karen Stefano, author of the collection, The Secret Games of Words. And with me tonight is Samantha Dunn, author of the memoir, Not by Accident. So, Sam, so you're still, you're still on the road, right? I, I am. I've been on a teaching binge since, uh, <laughs> since late June. <laughs> First at Esalen, um, with Cheryl Strait and Pam Houston and Alan Heathcock and, uh, and Steve Allman, my, you know, my, the kind of the all-star team I get to hang out with sometimes. And then uh, now I'm at uh, Out of Wild Arts up here in the mountains of California. And I'm going on yeah, week I... two, so. <laughs> uh, that's that's got to be, it's going to be rough. I mean, I know you love teaching and those are sure. really, yeah, beautiful venues. But sometimes it's just nice to be at home, too. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sometimes I, I have to stop myself now and say, okay, did I already tell you guys this or was this last week, you know, but I yeah. do, you know, I truly do love teaching. It's not just BS. I, I find a lot of um, inspiration from these people. I mean, I'm teaching a group of, get this, I'm teaching a group of 13 to 16 year old girls right now at Idle Wild Arts. And they are, I mean, they, they've already read Salinger. They, they've already read Jane wow. Austen. They love, wow. you know, they love the Hunger Games. They are the most voracious readers I have come across in a long time, so it makes me feel like, yay, our future is at least somewhat safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. That, yeah, that would be, would be reassuring for uh, a change because so often, um, not to sound like a total geriatric old woman um, who's complaining about those <laughs> damn kids with their damn skateboards. Um, but no, so, so often I, true, I see, um, yeah, I see these, I see these young people and I'm just, it's just like, Oh, the horror, the horror. So, oh, okay. so that's, that's, that, yeah, that's, exactly. That, that's my only geriatric remark for this, for this webcast. Okay. okay. I, I, I concur. I concur. But uh <laughs> But yeah, they've really, yeah, they really kept me on my toes this week. I, I said to one of my friends, they're like, they're, they're like locusts on wheat when it comes to books. I just can't give them enough in terms of, you know, reading suggestions. So it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's, the future that's is awesome. safe. So, <laughs> yay. Um, but let me dive <laughs> right in here. Um, and Ask yeah. you about your memoir, not by accident. And I, it's my understanding mm-hmm. that you're doing a re-release of not by accident, and, yes. and it's it's re-releasing this August, right? Yes, August? actually, yeah. Next month it okay. it comes out officially. Yeah. And um, so the, the book initially wow. though came out in. Yeah, it came out in 2002. So how did this re-release come about? And what, what can you tell us about that? Well, that is... Okay, do, do you want the PR answer or the honest-to-God answer? I'll give you the honest-to-God uh, answer because really, who wants the PR answer, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, let's, honestly, honest, let's go with the honest-to-God option. Okay, the honesty, right. So let's, let's, be, let's be frank here. It's been a long time since I've come out um, with a book. And I have been working on this, what, what I jokingly refer to as my magnum opus for quite a while now. And in, in the interim, you know, I got married, I had a child unexpectedly, 
and uh, lots of things happened and uh, it changed my relationship to the story and I just I just can't get it done in a way that I thought that I was going to you know we have the vision that we'll get our novel done or our memoir done in a year or two years but this is you know stretched on into eight and now nine and um, not by accident was was my modest success when it came out and it has been taught in many programs since then and it just occurred to me that you know it was it was still in the conversation it was still a relevant book so heck why shouldn't I bring it back out again and um, remind people that I do exist <laughs> and and you know, kind of jumpstart the conversation again with the hope that uh, with the hope that that will spark people's memory and get them interested uh, when when this book of mine does come out which I which I hope will be sooner than later. So, and you know, I just I thought that it was uh, it was time to to have someone else um, comment on it. Um, I'm very good friends with the brilliant, brilliant writer Deanne Stillman, uh, who's always been a fan of the book, and I approached her about doing a forward, and she was enthusiastic about it. So, so here we are. Wow. Um, well, let me let me just interject though, um, and and let you know that uh, you don't have any need to remind people that you exist because um, people people know you exist, Sam, um, and you have Thank a you, lot. Karen. No, you. I mean, you have a lot of a, a lot of readers, a lot of fans, um, people who really love you. And oh, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. you know, well, something thanks. I can still feel. So. Oh, thanks. No, you know, it's it's. Thank you for saying that. And and I do, I do know that people uh, read me and have read me, and and I certainly yeah, I'm, I'm invited often to speak. Um, but you know, you know how it is. You are sitting alone in your room. Come on, what what's the writer's job, right? Complete isolation. You're sitting alone in your room, and you're thinking, oh my God, what's you know, where am I? I'm falling off the face of the earth, and. Uh, I don't care how many books you have. I don't care how you know how much you speak that uh, or address audiences or you know get published and whatever. It's still yeah, it's still an isolating um, endeavor in a lot of ways. Yeah, anyway, yeah it just, sure is. Yeah, if you're doing the work and you're being yeah. a real writer, it is it is isolating and it's right. it's hard to to strike that balance between, okay, yeah. I am going to self-isolate, I am going to keep my butt yeah. in this chair until I finish the yeah. scene, and, and getting your, your work out there. It's, um, it's so it's true. Hard. And I, I think even, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good? But <laughs> I think even now, you know, especially now when there are so many uh, ways that we are supposed to be, or we're told that we're supposed to be in the conversation. We're supposed to be, you know, on Pinterest, and we're supposed to be tweeting, and we're supposed to be on Facebook, and we're supposed to have our author page. And don't you feel exhausted sometimes? I mean, don't you just want to sit down and have a conversation face to face with somebody, or like we are right now over the phone? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I, I do feel exhausted. Um, and and the the approach I've taken with that um, in trying to promote the secret games of words is to 
to place limits on myself. So, so like I'll do Facebook, I'll do Twitter, um, but I'm not doing Pinterest. I'm not doing Instagram. Right. And, um, you, you know, cause it's, it's like, I can't be everywhere and, right. and do a good, and do a good job of it. And, um, interact in, in our community in the, you know, the fulsome way that, that I want to interact. So, so that's the approach that I've taken because otherwise I think you can really drive yourself nuts. I think you could drive yourself absolutely crazy. I agree. And, you know, I take, um, I take a, a page out of my husband's book. My husband is a political consultant. He's worked in politics for a long time and his expertise is really in the ground game and grassroots organization and grassroots mobilization. And, and you know what? I think that is the most lasting form of a relationship to the reader, too. You know, the person who passes your book on to their friend and says, you have to read this. You know, that, that word of mouth, that personal contact, that ground game is really the most important. And it is all based in real relationship, I think. I mean, I, because don't you, don't you get things from people on Twitter all the time? I do that ask me to buy their book or blurb their book. And I have no idea who they are. Um, but if somebody like you who comes from a mutual friend who, you know, I'm able to develop a relationship with, then I read the book and then I go, Oh my God, this is really fantastic stuff. You have some really beautiful stuff in here, Karen. The secret game of words is a lovely, lovely collection. And no, I'm I'm sincere. And so I'm going to, yeah, like I said, I've, you know, I've already taught um, how to read your father's auto, um, uh, obituary in my classes. So that's how that it happens. That blows my mind. I that sound, that is that's just... true, though. When, when you, I, you, yeah, you Facebook messaged me that, and yes. I think I replied, okay, you, you made my day. <laughs> you, made my, you made my year. I mean, that's so <laughs> exciting to me that you would teach one of my stories that, that yeah, blows my mind. It was a great frame. It's great, you know, the way you are able to uh, use this frame, the how-to frame, and develop a character um, and have a sense of, I'm going to use the MFA word, profluence in such a short story. It was really lovely. So, so there. So you've done good, girl. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you so, so much. Um, Now, I I want to... Um, go back to um, your book, not by accident, uh, for for another moment. And in that book, um, you do an excellent job of taking us back in time. You take us to childhood. You take us to young adulthood with your mom and grandmother. Mm-hmm. But then you you're able to really seamlessly bring us back to the present back mm-hmm. to the horror of the hospital bed um, where you were stranded after this horrific injury, to, to, to quote one of your doctors, I believe. Um, yeah. how, how are you able to achieve that seamless movement through time? And for those who are listening, what, what could you tell them, if, you know, if you're, if you're teaching right now, what, what do you think is the key to best structuring movement within time in creative nonfiction? Well, I would say it's magic. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> it is, it's one of the most difficult things to manage, how to compress 
time, how to how to extend it. Um, for me, I think my training as a journalist has been one of the most valuable um, elements for me as a writer. Uh, because as a journalist, we're always taught to stay in the moment to make sure people understand what is going, what story you are telling in the now. You know what I'm saying? You have a firmly rooted now. You have a firmly rooted what is happening to this person. How are they in danger? How? What do they want? What is the obstacle to what they want? And so, when you have a, a when you're firmly rooted in the now the reader has a sense of um, uh, anticipation. And so you've bought time in a way. You've bought time to tell them, okay, hang on there for just a minute. Let me explain a little bit. Um, and you also use the page. If you notice that I, I have double line breaks, I have short, par- short, um, yeah, short paragraphs, I have short chapters in order to help them physically move through the book. And that all comes from journalism. So if there's any secret that I know, um, it's that. Otherwise, it's just playing by ear, you know. And if I'm bored, I figure the reader's bored, you know. So when yeah. I'm feeling that uh, the section's gone on too long, it's just really by that visceral sense of what I want to read, you know. So yeah, I hope that yeah. helps. Uh, Don't you feel um, that way? I, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, you know, I have to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and and re-listen to my own web broadcast. So and and jot down notes about what you just said because um, it's really, um, it's really remarkably helpful. Um, oh, good, uh, you are a good teacher. Yeah, but you, uh, you know, we all have to remind ourselves of it. I have to remind. I know this. I teach this, and yet when you're struggling with the page, it's always the same, you know, it's always the same struggle. I have to remind myself we don't get there on the first draft and or the yeah. second draft. Maybe the third draft, <laughs> if we're lucky. Yeah. Or in my case, the, the 1,000th draft. Um, <laughs> 1, I'm in, draft. Well, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm serious. I just, I rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite, and it takes me forever to finish. Do you rewrite those. as you go? Or do you just do do you just do one crappy draft and then rewrite, or do you rewrite as you go? Um, I just do I just do a, one crappy draft, and not only do I do one crappy draft, but I do a crappy draft where I jump around all over the place. And if I feel yeah. like writing scene one, I'll write part of scene one, and then if part of scene three jumps into my head, I'll start writing that. So it's a complete yeah. mess. And so I mean. Um, it's a wonder I get anything done, frankly. But, no, um, but I, I think that's the right way. I'm going to make my students listen to you because I try to tell them to do this. And, they're, yeah. and they think they're falling into the abyss, like, no, how can I possibly let, low, you know, let go of control? And I always say, yeah. you know, you have to write where the heat is, you know, write where those hot spots are. And then right. your brain, yeah, you're, you're going to want to make order. It'll all come together eventually if yeah. you stick in that yeah, then you, chair. Yeah, then you go back and fix it. Right. You know, just, you know, get it down. And, yeah. and of course, and I mean, you know, I'm sure you encourage your students that, you know, that everybody throws so much stuff away. I mean, work that I've spent hours and hours on, um, you know, ultimately, I just decide. You know, I just, I just can't make this work. I'm going to put this in. 
what Benjamin Percy calls um, the graveyard file. You know, oh, he, Benjamin he, Percy, <laughs> I love him. Uh, just as a side note, <laughs> I just have to say, he, he, we were on a panel at AWP this year, and you know I there can't that. be more, yeah, yeah, more different people, right? The, the two of us next to each other, and when he was talking about the the idea of feckless pondering. <laughs> the problem with so so much MFA writing is that it's just feckless pondering. There's no actual action. I just I love that so much because that's a uh, that's the danger of the kind of interior you know memoir uh, work that I do. It's just feckless pondering. If there's not something <laughs> yeah. happening, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, yeah. but yeah, um, no, that, he you says know, the it, graveyard. Yeah, yeah, because and and. Um, uh, he actually said that he has a file labeled um, uh, graveyard, and that that's where he puts stuff so that it's not like he's hitting delete and having that awful feeling right. of right. I wasted all this time. But it's yeah. it's there, and you, you know he can pick bones out of the graveyard if he so chooses. Um, yes, but um, or in I his case, it would be zombies. But yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he's 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 wonderful. Um, I. Um, uh, it, you know, it's really funny that you brought brought uh, uh, up that panel because I saw that's I saw you speak with him at that, and um, I was in his workshop at Tin House in 2011, and he's just I mean, what a, he's such a great writer and such a nice, modest person, and he's wonderful, great, yeah. and he's got he's a great, great voice. Teacher. Let's talk about his voice. <laughs> Okay, I know. He could just read I me know. the phone book, and I would be completely happy. Yeah, I know. I know. When I first heard his voice, I was like, "Wow!" Um, but right, he could uh, al- he could always go to to internet porn if he if he ever gets bored. <laughs> he could always you know do that. But anyway, <laughs> Benjamin, I'm sure you'll hear this. Hello. Anyway, yeah, I know Benjamin. <laughs> he loves it. Um, uh, so, um. I wanted to to ask you about a specific scene um, in Not By Accident. And um, you're in the car with your mother, and Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to take you to see Harley, your horse, after your accident. And here I'm going to read just a little bit of dialogue um, uh, from from the book, um, and then I've got a couple questions for you. Um, Sure. Okay, so you're in the car, and you're trying to get her to take you to see Harley, and you say, oh, right, and then, you know, you're you're unsure your thoughts here. I want to make her take it back, so I resort to guilt, my only defense. And you say, aren't you the mother who bought me a Greenbroke Arabian when I was 11? The mother who put me bawling and shaking back on that other gelding when he ran away with me when I was, what, eight? She sucks in her breath. I didn't want you to lose your nerve. And then you reply, I never have. <laughs> yep. Yeah, is, that, is that true? Is that true in your life? Oh, I mean, it, oh, that I've you... ne- that I've never lost my nerve. No, hell no. <laughs> uh, but it was, <laughs> but it was one of those micro cruelties, you know, that daughters inflict on their mothers. Because I think earlier in the piece, uh, I think it's been it's 
been a couple months since I reread the the book, but uh, I refer to the fact that she was um, thrown when she was younger, and she never got back on a horse. She always loved mm-hmm. horses, but she never rode again. And um, and my mother was in every other sense a complete and utter ball buster, complete and utter uh, rebel, burn the barn down, just fearless to the point of um, recklessness. And but that was one area with horses and riding that she she never uh, approached again. And maybe that's why she wanted me to be as fearless as a rider as I, I tried to be. And so that moment was really about, strictly about the horse, um, strictly about getting back on the horse. In terms of everything else in my life, no, I have been a quivering coward many, many, many times. <laughs> but um, in, you're, you're in, in good terms company. of horse. Yeah, <laughs> quivering cowards <laughs> unite, yes. Um, but in terms yeah. of, of that moment and getting back on the horse, yeah, there's, I, I'm still kind of, I'm, I'm a little more conservative with riding now that I'm a mother. Um, but, but still, um, still, yeah, there will always be that part of me that just gets back on a horse in term, literally get back on the literal horse. <laughs> uh, but in, in other ways, you know, with relationships and, and many, some parts of my career, I am friendships, many other things. I have been a quiz coward. Yes, it's true. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 right there God's with you truth. there in 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 uh, in so many respects. Um, yeah. But uh, all right. But but yeah, the thing between the mother and the daughter. I mean, isn't that one of the central tensions? Isn't that one of the the primal relationships that we go to in in um, in writing, whether it's fiction or nonfiction? I just think that that is, for me at least, a continual source of. Um, of fuel for for yeah. storytelling, you know, uh, trying to uh, trying to, yeah, you know, get a hold of that narrative, you know. Yeah, and you know, and in, you know, you saw from the stories in um, the Secret Games of Words, mm-hmm. uh, the mother the mother daughter conflict doesn't appear in every story, um, but uh, just maybe ninety five percent of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so well, it's. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a great it's a great resource, and I have a I have a terrific relationship with my mother. I I think um, uh, she's she's going to be ninety in September. Oh and, wow! And I yeah, and and I emphasize to to people, you know, the mothers in these stories are fictional, um, and they are, <laughs> yeah. um, but. Um, but the emotion, eggs, my mother snaps, eggs, damn it. I, I love that. I love that intro for what, which story is that? I Hold on. I have to look at it. In, def- oh. uh, in defense of memory loss. Yeah. Yeah. I love the yeah. eggs, damn it. Um, no, but the, but the emotion, right? It's the emotion that fuels it. Um, right. It's not the literal truth of the relationship, but that just tortured, incomplete, and yet totally loving or the desire for total loving between, um, you know, the mother and child. I don't know. I just find it, I just find it completely uh, fascinating and a constant source of fuel. Um, Speaking of which, let me just, let me just tell you how much I love. It's actually, I discovered it kind of by accident, uh, reading how to read your father's obituary. I, 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 
neglected the, the story on the left side seeing for the first couple times. And then I looked at it and I went, oh my God, this is really, I don't know what to call this. Is it a lyric short story? Um, can I read just a little bit of it because I love it so much? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Scene. We walk the same streets as another restless day tapers off, anxiety pumping, pumping through each limb as we pass the sleeping homeless, silently remembering how our mother dressed us as bums one Halloween because she'd prepared no other costume, how she recast us into smudge-faced little ragamuffins, but now these bodies around us are grotesque carcasses we don't step step near for fear they will reach out, infect us with their loss, their sorrowful stench, transforming us with a touch into them. And we hurry past. I just, I just love that. I think that's so beautiful. And Thank anyway, it's, yeah, I just wanted to, what do we call that? What is it a lyric what? short story? What, what is it? Is it a, is it a yeah. prose poem? I, I don't know. I, I like it. I, well, thank you. Um, I uh, thank you so much. Um, I just kind of generically call that and some of the other uh, shorter pieces in the collection flash, um, just flash fiction, and that's just what I what I just call it generically. Um, mm-hmm. But this particular piece, I think, calling it uh, like lyrical prose, I think that's. That's certainly fitting, but um, this this story came about as from a prompt. Um, cool. I, I was I was in a group um, for a whole year with the fabulous writers Robert Vaughn, Len Koontz, and Meg Kewitt. And we oh, are those turn- the people that you uh, thank in the introduction and in the acknowledgments? Yeah, uh, yes. the ones. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the ones who I say probably deserve some form of editor credit on the book because they had, <laughs> they had such a huge role in, in shaping so many of these stories, particularly the, the shorter ones. And so, and I think it was, I, I can't remember which one of them had given this prompt, but the prompt was write a story in one sentence. You'll notice that this piece is, it's one sentence. Um, yes. There's an ellipsis, there's commas, but it's one sentence. And yes. the other part of the prompt is it has to be 200 words, exactly. Not 199 uh, words, not yeah, 200 exactly. words. And um, so it was, it was a huge act of self-discipline um, to, uh, to, you know, to, to conform uh, to, those, to those boundaries. And... Um, uh, it, and, and yeah, and then otherwise it was just, you know, it was just, it was just pure inspiration. Um, I, I live in San Diego and, um, yeah. uh, San Diego, uh, has, um, a huge pop, uh, huge homeless population. And yeah. so, um, you, you know, just walking past, um, you know, these, these homeless people all the every day that's a that's a um source of inspiration for a couple of pieces um it, it appears in seeing it appears in the yeah. man on the sidewalk belongs to me and mm-hmm. um so that so that's that's infused in a lot of the stories um but yeah i mean if any anyone who's listening um who doesn't write flash fiction and who says oh i can't write flash fiction i can only do full-length <laughs> stories 
I would invite you to, to give it a try because uh, I really totally do believe. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the, the yes. discipline. It, it, I always over. I right? completely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I always tell people, listen, if you can't do a, a lot with a little, you can't do much with a lot. You know, if you if you can't organize your thoughts, if you can't have control over language and convey something in a small amount of space, I don't care I don't care if you've written three hundred pages. You're not going to be able to uh to do the work of real storytelling. You know, it's not it's not the size that matters. It's not the size that matters. That's right. So, That's right. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah, but you know, it's interesting too, jumping back to um the the mother um stuff for a moment. Um you know in, in your book how uh, your mother always called her mother by her first name, and yes. I really glommed on to that because I because interestingly, my mother called her mother by her first name, and That's and I just think it's such an interesting detail, and that it says so uh, much yeah. about the relationship I, between those two uh, women, you know, so much. And and this wasn't for for my uh, mother and and my grandmother. This wasn't the era of you know, the 70s or 80s, you know, hippie culture where where parents were uh, were divesting themselves of the title of mom and dad for some philosophical reason. No, this was this was purely out of disappointment and contempt. Um, it was, yeah, just really a sad and kind of fascinating dynamic um, between them. She never called her mother. Or she called her mother, she said, mother. Mm-hmm. With exactly that intonation, you know, as a as almost a curse. Yeah, you know, it was sad. It was just a very sad dynamic between them. Yeah. Anyway, that is. That is yeah. Okay. Um, but again, yeah. fuel, a fuel. It's all fuel, right? It's all <laughs> that's fuel. Beauty. Um, <laughs> that's the yeah. beauty of being a writer. I guess any kind of artist. I mean, it just it gets transformed somehow. At least yeah. I hope it does. Yeah, like, I know it's like you're like oh I almost lost my leg but wow I'm gonna get some great writing out of this I'm, I'm gonna get some good <laughs> my heart was well, you broken know? but I'm gonna get something good out of this on the page <laughs> yeah well you know that is it's so funny you said that because that's really how this book not by accident came about because I had no intention of writing a memoir. I, I think I had read one at that point. I think I had read Angela's Ashes, and that was it. That was my ex- the extent of my knowledge of memoir. And um, I was in, I'll never forget this, true story. I was in my hospital bed at UCLA, still on my morphine drip, and one of my editors in New York, <laughs> um, her, her name is Alex Postman, uh, Alex Siegel Postman, and she was at women's... Uh, uh, Oh gosh, women's health and fitness. And she called me up and said, "How are you?" At the hospital, she called me, and I said, "You know, I'm I'm hanging in there." And she said, "You know, I I don't want to seem mercenary, but you, as soon as you're feeling well, you might want to take some notes because this would be a good story." <laughs> I love her. So, I've never met her, but know, I love her for that. God, like, this will be a good story. Can we run it? You know, maybe in six months, can we can we get something from you other than my hospital bed? I'm like, okay. God bless her. 
<laughs> yeah, God bless her. Yeah, not maybe not the right time, but uh, God yeah, bless her. Yeah, maybe not the right and... time, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and it, it really, it kind of it started as a series of essays, you know, a series of essays about uh, about the accident itself, about my relationship with my horse, and my, about my relationship with, uh, you know, my my divorce at the time, uh, the idea of what it meant to be accident prone, which is, you know, I did a lot of research about that. I was actually yeah. thinking it was going to be a, a creative nonfiction um, work about that topic, and, uh, and but but the but the autobiographical details were just um, you know too compelling, quite frankly. So I couldn't could not not braid my own story into that. Yeah, a- absolutely, they're compelling. Um, and and let me ask you, and we're we're going to have to wrap this up in just just a few a few minutes. Um, got these these. These um, broadcasts blow my mind because time passes so fast. I know. Blink and I, we've been talking for thirty-five minutes, and oh, it blows gosh. my mind. But I, I but I, I want to ask you um, about uh, about one scene um, specifically um, in Not by Accident. You you make your first visit um, to see Harley, and yeah. that first visit is it's absolutely heartbreaking um and you in that visit you talk about breaking a spell and here i just want to read um uh just just a sentence that i think is so beautiful harley turns away distracted by the sound of another horse and i realized that something else was broken on that trail a spell a trust something i can identify now only by its absence and it's such a it's just such a beautiful if if heart wrenching moment of recognition and mm-hmm. um I just it's just one of the most beautiful sentences I've ever I've ever read. Oh. It really, really impacted me. But oh, thank you. I, I wanna ask you another um uh in, inappropriately personal question. <laughs> um, yes, I'm all about the personal, please. Shoot, shoot, yeah. Um so have there any have there ever been any other areas of your life where that spell uh the spell of trust has been broken? Oh certainly. Yeah, I think I think that in that particular book that also mirrors the uh relationship that I had with my ex-husband at the time. Um we and I'm not even talking about the the specifics of who did what to whom um, because we were both pretty awful to each other. A lot of it's not even in the book, but that, but that sense of, um, but that sense of recognizing that something is, something was precious only when it's not there anymore. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that very clearly relates to human relationships as well. But quite frankly, I have to tell you, the relationship I had with that particular animal that particular horse was was as intense as any human relationship I've ever had. I, I write a lot about this, as you know, in the book, but, you know, horses for me were a, a safe place. They were um, a, a haven in my childhood, and they were the most trusted beings in my life in many senses. Um, from my from my first pony to, to my, you know, first horse to, to eventually to Harley, um, they were the they were the real emotional safety 
places. I'm not saying that well. The emotional sanctuaries that um, that I had, and so that relationship with him and that that moment after the accident when I go see him and realize something profound has been broken um, was, yeah, as emotionally important to me as uh, as any human relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, and, and that, the depth of that relationship um, really, really comes across to the reader. Mm, uh, yeah, and so you just, you do a beautiful job in oh, in communicating that and it's and I and oh, I don't thanks. think that it would necessarily be something that that is easily conveyed. Um mm-hmm. but but no you nailed you nailed that. So well, thanks. Um, well yeah it, frankly I didn't want to end up sounding weird. She's she's a woman in love with her horse. What? <laughs> it was much more complex than that. Anyway. No, you don't you didn't come across sounding weird, that's for sure. So <laughs> Uh, no, no worries there. So, um, oh, well, hold on a minute, Karen. I, I, I'm yeah. interrupting our conversation now. Is the the deepest love of my life? My six year old son, who has crawled up the stairs to the bedroom to ask me some question that he must now have an answer to. Can, can I talk to you in five minutes? Thank you. Okay, sorry. Sorry. No problem. No well, and you wonder why I haven't finished a book. You wonder why I haven't finished a book. This is why I haven't finished a book. <laughs> well, I don't know. If, I don't know if you could hear it, but in terms, speaking of interruptions, um, um, my cat was like screaming loudly in the background <laughs> a few moments ago, I, complaining. That I think that's yes. Attention. That's our cue, Karen. That's our cue. Yeah, and and Sam, my my wine glass is empty, so that's definitely. Oh, our, that's our mine too. Well, so. you know, cheers. We we yeah we we've got to go replenish. Listen, let's let's do this again in person sometime. I would love it, and everybody who's listening, um, it's it re-releases in August, not by accident. It's a fantastic work, and Sam, thank you. So much. Um, oh, thank uh, you, Karen. And thank you yeah, for the secret game of words. It's really lovely. <laughs>